Hello and welcome to the Oasis Church podcast. Thanks for joining us. Psalm 100. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Good morning, one and all. Very good to be in the room with you, whether you're here, in here, upstairs or online. It is always good to connect and do recognise for some, you'd love to be in the room, but for health reasons you can't, but you are so, so welcome and it's so good to still have you around us. Um, before I forget, if you're a teenager in the room, not that if you feel like a teenager, if you are a teenager, you are very welcome to join our core cool youth leaders to go and do something cool out there. So if you want to do that, you can do. Uh, if you want to stay in here, you can do. There's no pressure. Um, I'm watching to make sure they all are teenagers. Um, they, they awkwardly walk past the camera, they don't see me. Um, they didn't see you. Um, This Sunday is one of my favourite Sundays of the year where we get to celebrate in our birthday together of 23 years in existence. So maybe you're new around and think, well, that's kind of a weird thing to do. Like, I do that with individuals, but why would you do it in respect to a church? Well, because ultimately we're not celebrating in ourselves. We're actually celebrating in the one who makes all of this happen, the one who's been, uh, the one who sustains it all, and that's God. And today, why we make a noise about it is because it allows us a moment to celebrate in God's goodness and God's unfailing love and kindness that has been revealed to us over these 23 years. Not in a moment of nostalgia or thinking, okay, all the best moments have been, but rather with a sense of excitement that actually, God, that you promised the best is yet to be. And therefore, we get to celebrate in God what you've done, but look forward to what you're going to do. And therefore, it's with excitement that we get to celebrate today. And to help us do that, I want us to look at this Psalm 100. As Psalm 100 is this amazing psalm of celebration. Celebration of who God is, and then who we are in light of who God is. And what I want to do is zoom in on verse 5 today. I feel like this helps us kind of understand why we get to celebrate today. And verse 5 says this, faithfulness continues to each each generation. God's faithfulness continues to each generation. And this has been something I've just been contemplating over the past kind of few weeks of just how God is one who reveals himself as faithful to every generation. And therefore we get to, in this moment, remember that God is one who has been faithful in the past, is faithful in our present, and promises that he will be faithful in our future. That's who God is. God is one who is always seeking to be faithful. Like there's never a moment where he kind of says, actually, this is an off day. I'm not going to be faithful today. No, no. He's a God who is faithful to who he is throughout all time. 
And I think it's that that I want us to get hold of because actually our story is one of that. It's one of celebration of God's faithfulness, God's faithfulness in our past, in our present, in our future. And therefore, what I want to do is, it's going to be slightly different to how we'd normally do this. Normally, we kind of dig into a passage. Rather, what I want to do is reveal how God's faithfulness is shown through our story. A story in respect to our past, a story in respect to our present, and I promise you a story in respect to our future. So let's start with our past then. Faithfulness in our past. You see, If I'm honest, I could now tell you story after story, invite individual after individual to tell stories of God's faithfulness over the last 23 years. And if I was to do that, we'd probably be here for 23 hours. But I don't think that's what you want this morning. Uh, Maybe it is. Uh, It's it's quiet, so I'm taking a poll here. I'm feeling like maybe it is. No, this is nervous laughter. I think it isn't. Therefore, I want to zoom in on three moments in our past that reveal God's faithfulness. First one is small beginnings. See, 23 years ago, we started with 18 of us in a lounge in Mosley with this desire to say, hey, what could we do to allow this city to know the wonder of who Jesus is? That's it. That's all we sought to do. Say, actually, we think Jesus is amazing. How can we cause others who don't yet know that to get caught up in that? And what we quickly found as 18 of us in the lounge in Mosley is we were very small and this city is very big. And we soon became slightly overwhelmed by, wow, like, what do you do here? This is like a big city. We're small. And what we found is this wonder in the faithfulness of God is that what we needed to do, therefore, is to love Jesus and not do anything stupid. That's literally what we said. Let's love Jesus and not do anything stupid. In other words, don't do anything that causes people to think, well, I don't want anything to do with Jesus if that's what it's like. And what that grew in as we started to live, saying let's love Jesus, not do anything stupid, is that others started to join us as we began to reveal the wonder of who Jesus is. And within it, what we discovered is probably just living with a a way of saying, actually, we're about loving Jesus and not doing anything stupid, wasn't going to ultimately last the length of time. And therefore, what we did is we started to hone that and say, actually, what we're about is loving God and loving people. That's why we exist. And we set about just seeking to live simply from a small place of saying, actually, it's to love God and love people. And as we sought to love God and love people, we found that others started to connect in. Suddenly we became this group of people that weren't 18 of us anymore in a house in Mosley, but rather got to meet in varying venues across the city in gathering. We also learned what it is not only to gather together, also what it is to be scattered. We learned what it was in those moments that actually God grew us, but it always was slow. Because God's way of growing things is they start small and they grow and it takes time. We also found that in those moments of growing that God also has moments of growth, but also moments of pruning. We know moments where actually there's people who are around us who then get pruned in order they can go and do something different somewhere else. And those weren't moments that weren't without pain, but rather moments that we began to realize that God does that in order that we would become more fruitful. 
And so part of our story of God's faithfulness is small and slow of growth and of pruning. Second one, named. You see, we're called Oasis for a reason. You see, I don't know if you've ever had the joy of naming something. Like for us as a family unit, we've been able to name two dogs and Lucy and I have been able to name three children. And in each time, there's been a lot of time and energy put around kind of what are we going to name this individual or this animal. I remember when we got our first dog, one of the big names that was in the running was Stranger Danger as our kids were, just thought it'd be amazing to shout out in the park, stranger danger, uh, just to see others' reactions. Now, we didn't settle on that. In the end, we settled on Ted. And Ted became what he was known. Although sometimes, just as a quick aside, like we found that what we'd not predicted is that sometimes when we shout out Ted, people think we're shouting out turd, uh, which brings a sense of confusion. Um, in it, though, we became Oasis. One of the funnest places of being was like naming this group of people, like what are we going to become? And we came up with this name Oasis because the more we lived in a city, the more we realized that a city can feel like a desert. It's a place where you feel like you're surrounded by people, but it can sometimes feel the most lonely place you could be. And as we read the gospel accounts, you realize that actually at the heart of it is this desire that Jesus would cause everyone to know that he's able to quench all thirst. And for as we found this name Oasis, we began to realize that maybe this is what we were going to be, a place of refreshment and a place of restoration. And as we went on in the years, it became this name that we began to inhabit, became to be distinguished by, that people began and say, oh yeah, I, I've come across you, or I've come to you, or when I came, it felt like an oasis. And we felt and realized that actually it wasn't just something we were to offer, it's also something we were to enjoy, that we could only ever offer what we've enjoyed together, and therefore we continuously come when we gather together with this deep sense of like, what does it mean to know this refreshment and this restoration? In order that then as we're scattered, into the varying places in this city, we then know that we go to take this amazing message of refreshment and restoration found in Jesus. But also, not only is it something that we were to enjoy, it's also something to we offer. As I've already said, that sometimes that's an offering where someone just comes around us for a week or a few weeks and just knows this deep sense of refreshment and restoration. But for many, it's that they come and help us extend that ability to be an oasis in the city. Like there aren't still 18 people in the lounge. There's a group of us here. There's others who couldn't be here today. There's others of online who are seeking to say, yeah, I've become part of this in order that I can enjoy it and extend it to others. But also it's an oasis where we've said, yeah, it's not only how we extend it as we become an oasis in the city, but also as we extend it by sending others to other places in the city and this nation and the nations to go with this message of being an oasis. And so I can tell you lots of different stories of people who are in this city, in this nation, and other nations who've taken something of what they found that was good here. You know, there's stuff that isn't as good, but they've taken the good stuff and then taken it elsewhere to do those places good. 
And so often I find myself rubbing shoulders to someone. They say, like literally, uh, let's tell a quick story. Six weeks ago, a guy I know has like, gone to lead uh, a large church in uh, London. And he goes down there and then he sends me a photo and he says, you never guess who I just bumped into. And he says, and he sends me a couple, Steve and Tanya, and their photo, who are leading a church plant in a kind of estate near where he is. Now I know Steve and Tanya are part of our history. We sent them for Oasis. And he says, I can't believe it. I can't get away from you. I bump into these people literally down the road and they're Oasis people. You're everywhere. Why? Well, yeah, we're small, but we know we're going to grow. We know we get pruned, but we're here to extend what we have to offer. That means that we've sent people around this city, this nation, and the nations. Small beginnings named. Third zoom in then, in terms of our past faithfulness of God is home. You see, I think one of the things that amazed me along the journey is that God began to reveal the home that is to come. That it isn't that we're kind of waiting like Charlie in the chocolate factory for a golden ticket to the afterlife, but rather that we get to understand the wonder of what Jesus has done through his life, death and resurrection of changing everything for everyone for all time in order that one day he will return in order to bring heaven onto earth to create a new home that is full of God's goodness and unfailing love. And as we began to understand more of that as a church community, we began to realize then we become outposts of that home to come now. Like home that allows people to know what Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Not a pipe dream, but a reality. And so we began this journey of understanding like who we are together reveals this home that is to come. That as I keep saying, as you keep hearing mentioned, that, that home that is to come means that as we gather together, we enjoy the wonder of what it is to know our home that is characterized by God's unfailing love and kindness and goodness. But then as we're scattered into the varying streets we live in, shops we shop at, workplaces we're working in, recovery groups we're part of, retirement that we're seeking to enjoy, addiction programs that we're part of, that whatever it looks like, that we're there in order to cause others to taste and see of this home that we now know. In order that they can be drawn in to know the wonder of what Jesus has to offer. And what that did a long time was then not only cause us to say, well, home is something of who we are. Maybe it's meant to be where we are. And so back in 2017, we found that a place that we'd started to call home, but was owned by someone else because of some other event that went on there called Cricket, Edgebaston Stadium, um, got to a point where they needed to do some development and therefore they asked if we could leave. As we heard last Sunday, they called us to leave, but then sent us with money and chairs, which is very good of them. But what it caused us to do is say, well, what about if we were able to have a home that we could call our own in order to reveal the wonder of what we know together? And so we set up on this dream of thinking, well, God, I, we think that even though we're homeless, you're one who could provide us a home. Now, I haven't got time to tell you the big story, but let's cut it short. So in 2017, we start off with that adventure of saying, God, we believe you could provide us a home by the end of this year. 
within this year. That's crazy talk. And what we find is that quickly, a building seems to be revealed that could be our home. However, then we realize that it's not home at any cost. And we realize that this building isn't quite suitable. In actual fact, it has huge fire risks. And we realize that isn't a good home. And so therefore we make a decision and say, God, it's not a home at any cost, but we trust you. And I remember us moving from Edgebaston Stadium with nowhere to go. I remember announcing to this church community, hey, we're not going to that building, but we don't know where we're going to go, but I promise you God will find a way. And everyone cheering. That's not a natural response. You don't cheer at confusion and uncertainty. And yet there was. Why? Because there's this understanding, God is faithful. And the reality was we couldn't fix it and we couldn't find a home. We found a temporary place to kind of gather together on a Sunday at the Mac, which is brilliant. We love the Mac, but it wasn't our home. And there was something in us that kind of said, no, we want something there that births home for us, reveals home to us. And God just kept speaking, Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. He's God, we're not. And then the most surprising thing happens in the August that we stumble across through a prompt prompting two of us onto a website of an estate agent. There's lots of others out there, but this one reveals this old, slightly wrecked Methodist church building that was there for rent. And we started an exploration of this building that no one had ever seen on South Street before. Like I literally used to visit a friend's house opposite this building. I never saw this. <laughs> Said something about my observance, but never saw this. And then we came and looked in and it had been empty for over 10 years. There was a tree literally growing out of the floor of the back hall, breaking through the roof. It looked, as someone described it, like a haunted house. And yet something as we stepped in, you kind of felt like you, there was this history here of a, want, of a group of people that said, we're going to build home here in order to be an outpost of that home. And it was like, no, this isn't meant to be empty, it's meant to be resurrected. And maybe God's called us to resurrect this. So five years ago, pretty much to the day, we showed a video to that church community at that point that many of us in this room were part of say, hey, we found this building. We wonder if God is providing for it. I hadn't even signed a contract. And then by an unbelievable amount of work by some incredible men and women, we were then able to move in by the December. Absolutely phenomenal. Signed the contract on the 1st of November, moved in by the first weekend of December. I know it costs some their health, and I'm deeply grateful for you, but um, it was phenomenal. And what it did is as we found this place, it became an outpost of what it would mean then for us not only to know home together, but to show home together. And so we've learned then, what does this mean then for us to reveal home here? Like in the most unusual of locations, no one would have imagined we'd end up in a building like this. And yet now, five years on, we kind of think, man, how could we be anywhere else? As we get to welcome others in. And it becomes this building that isn't just about our home. It then becomes this statement of God's faithfulness to us. 
God's faithfulness of saying, yeah, yeah, believe me for a home and you can trust me. I'll provide. See, God is one who shows himself as faithful in our past. Does it in terms of our small beginnings. He's done it in terms of our name. He's done it in respect to home. But also say he does it in respect to the present. He's faithful in our present. Now, I think I've talked enough. And so what I want to do for a moment, I will get to talk again, is I just want us to hear from some different individuals within Oasis of how Oasis is home for them and how that reveals God's faithfulness. So let's watch that now. Hi, everybody. What does Oasis as home mean to me? Quite simply, it means family, a place where I can know and love other people, but also be known, loved, valued and supported um, for being authentically myself. All the good parts of me and the parts I'm still working on. Home for me means security. It's a place filled with fun and laughter and joy. It's a place where I can show love and experience love. Oasis is all these things to me. The Church Online has been a real blessing because it's allowed me to continue to experience all these things in spite of some tricky medical issues that have made being at South Street difficult. Small group and daily devotional on Zoom have been a real blessing and have allowed me to feel part of the Oasis family and home. I just love the fact there is room, space and time given, given to Holy Spirit to flow. And that's when I feel at home and it's a reminder and reflection of our heavenly home to come. Also, I feel like this place is like family. You can feel that when children especially are really comfortable in the atmosphere like with, with adults. Um, when I'm on teas and coffees, um, they know who they are. But there's these uh, lovely ones that always feel really excited and they scream out. When are our hot chocolates ready? And it always makes me smile. I feel at home, definitely. So Oasis as home means to me a place of comfort, of fun, refreshment, a place to meet friends, make new friends, um, but also a place to be challenged. And, and finally, it's uh, a constant reminder um, to have God at the heart of all I do. I joined Oasis when I was new to Birmingham and starting out at the university. And for me, Oasis has become home in finding some of my deepest connections in the city, some of my closest friends, people who have helped challenge me, spoken wisdom to me, had a lot of fun and um, have laughed and celebrated with me and um, have then stood with me in some of the hardest times that I've found that it's a space where um, I can have real friendship and be known and know other people and get to stand with people in their day-to-day -day life. Um, and help people do the same for me. A home to me is a place that I can feel comfortable and be part of. It's a place that always makes me to want to come home to. It is also a place where I can find rest after a busy schedule and be recharged. It is also a place where I can 
learn and be encouraged at the same time. But most of all, a home to me is a place where I can just be myself and grow. And that's what Oasis means to me. Thank you. Why is Oasis our home? Well, for the first 10, it was the home of the jam donuts and I was the donut man. Now I'm still trying to lose the weight from that period. What we looked for in Oasis 23 years ago was integrity in the leaders, a heart after God in the leaders, and a place where the Holy Spirit was free to move. You can't build on bad foundations. Quite simple, really. Oasis's home is family, gathering together, all in one place, surrounded by those who love each other and feel like they have a place to belong. I was baptised at Oasis and I would say in going to services at Oasis and getting involved in the community, I've learned more about our Lord. Um, lots of friendly Christian brother and sister friends and yeah, who I just feel I'm able to be real with. Um, there's no pretending going on. Oasis is a home where I feel warm and secure. Warm and secure because I feel that I'm not judged, um, I feel accepted. Um, I feel it's a place I can be vulnerable, I can get support. It's a place where I feel I can grow. Uh, that's uh, Oasis to me, short bullet points. Hi. So Oasis for as home for me is a place where I can I can grow with like-minded believers and and be refreshed uh, um, week in, week out. So yes, that's me, thank you. Having Oasis as my home means it's a privilege to open up my home to Oasis. Hi! Hi. <laughs> it is good, isn't it? It feels like this morning everyone's like, shall we? I think it is that reality, and there's so many other stories that could be built in, but the reality I want us to see is God is faithful in our present. Faithful in our present through all of those different stories you've heard, all those different things that God's doing in different people. Here's what I see when I watch those different stories, and it's a snapshot of who we are, is there isn't a type of person in Oasis. I don't know if you saw that. It's not like a, a type. It isn't like everyone is kind of some middle-aged, grey-haired guy who seems to wear too many shirts. <laughs> That's not the truth, is it? It's like this whole collection of different people. Why? Because it reveals the faithfulness of God. God is revealed through the fact that in no other place could this group of people exist together. So God is faithful in our past, God is faithful in our present, God will be faithful in our future. See, today isn't a nostalgia tour, it's one that's meant to build and fuel our faith to realise that God is one who promises to be faithful to each and every generation. Therefore, that means that we allow what God has done in our past to fuel us with a sense of faith for our future. That God will be the same God and will continue to be faithful to every generation to come. That means not just us, but the generations that are going to come way beyond us. 
I don't know if you ever contemplate that. Like this year, we started the year with this sense of, God, what are you calling us to? And this kind of refrain, this word that we want to live with of legacy, of understanding that what we're about of building is something that outlives us and greets Jesus on his return. That's our desire. And therefore, if we're going to live with something that is going to outlive us, we need to understand that God is one who will be faithful. But there's things that we can do to ensure that future generations live in the good of God being faithful. I came across this quote by Peter Drucker, who says this, culture eats strategy for breakfast. Probably you've heard that quote before. Culture he eats strategy for breakfast. What I think he's trying to say is, like, the way in which you do something actually in the end becomes more effective than the plans you make of what you want to do. And I think that's important for us to understand. If we want future generations to live in the good of the faithfulness of God, there's things that we can do now in how we do things, the way we do things, that actually will cause them to kind of benefit and live in the good of that. See, we've said that we believe that Jesus changes everything. We've said out of that that we want to seek to love God and love people. But we've then said it's like how we seek to do those things is with a culture of home. A culture that actually we walk past every time we gather at South Street. It's on posters as we walk in. And I just want to remind us of that culture just to finish with. And how I want to do that is I want us to imagine that we're going through an actual home, a building, a house. And as we go through, we're going to discover that different rooms and places reveal something about the culture that we're seeking to build together. And that as we give ourselves to this culture, I promise you that it will cause future generations to benefit and live in the good of a God who is faithful through all generations. See, as we come to the front door of this house. We find it's a door where there is just a big sign saying welcome. It's a door that says everyone and anyone can come in. See, what we've said is we want to be a group of people where all know they're welcome. There's no barriers to jump through. There's no ways of saying get your life in order before you can come in here, but rather a big welcome to anyone and everyone who wants to come in and discover that Jesus is enough. Like I love it, the fact that we have glass doors on the front that allow people to see in. I love it, the fact that we have literal signs on the front that say, hey, this is what's going on. Like for me, I have the privilege of hanging around here quite a bit during the week. And so often I go out, so even this last week, I go out the front door and I see someone looking at the signs. And all I do is I go up to them and say, hey, you're welcome. And they go, really? And I say, yeah. Do you want to come around? Really? Yes. And they say, can I come to the cafe? Of course you can. Can I come on a Sunday? It's like, yeah, yeah, this is where we meet. This is what goes on. Why? Because we want to build something that says everyone and anyone is welcome. But having gone through the door, we then find ourselves in the living room. The living room speaks of honouring. I don't know what your living room is, your lounge. Like the lounge is where you are who you are. And for us, that means that we seek to build one another up. We seek to encourage each other in the wonder of who we are, saying we accept you, we love you, we want you to know how good you are. 
It's also the place where we realize that we're not in competition or comparison. We're able to stand or sit with each other. We're able to celebrate with one another. If you heard that through some of the video stories of people saying like, Oasis is somewhere I've found people who will be with me. Be with me in the amazing times. Be with me when it feels like life hasn't gone quite how I wanted it to. I had the privilege of talking to someone recently who just said like, when they hit this bit of their life and it just felt like everything was spinning out of control and there was no answer, there was no way to fix it. They said, here, Oasis, I could just be. And people sat with me. Why? Because we're a lounge. We're a place where people are honoured, encouraged, not told, come on, pull yourself together, build yourself up. No, no, we believe in you. We're with you. But from the living room, we then make our way through to the dining table. The dining table is the place where you sit and you get to be known and to know others. It's where you get to share like authentically like your true self, not hiding, but saying, no, this is me. I'm choosing to be vulnerable here. If you heard that through the stories of how many people said, Oasis is a place what, where I get to know and be known. It's the place where I get to know acceptance, but also the place where I get others who say, come on, enjoy more of the life that Jesus has for you. And I love it, the fact that I get to sit around a table, figuratively speaking, with other people who say, come on, Adrian, don't settle for what you know. Come and enjoy more of the life that Jesus has for you. But it's not just a dining table. Let's move around. Let's go to a different wall. We're going to a different room. And this room just has a big whiteboard Wall. Now, I've been told that not every house has a whiteboard. My kids grew up thinking that that was normal in a house, that you have a wall that has a whiteboard on, and on that, you can just write anything you want, ideas that you've got that you think are going to happen. And the reality is, our home has a whiteboard because part of our culture is creativity. We want to continuously encourage one another by saying, let's try things that cause others to know the wonder of who Jesus is. And some of those things we try aren't going to work, but that's okay. I love it, the fact that we've got stuff that's being tried. I love it, the fact that there's the men's network. And it's with this lightness saying, hey, let's try this. I love it, the fact that tomorrow there's going to be a group of people gathering to say, let's try a stay and play for small children. I love that that's going to happen. And we'll see how it works. It isn't that, all right, if it doesn't work, failure, never try that again. Don't try anything. No, that's part of creativity, is you try things and see if they work. I think what I also love is that as we build a culture of creativity, it then encourages creatives to come and be around us. I love the fact that there are different individuals who I get to speak to who are in different arts in, uh, industries and they say, like, here I feel like I'm understood. But we go from the whiteboard through to the back of the home and there we find a garden room. And in the garden room, it speaks of rest. See, what we believe is that we need to continuously live with a rhythm of rest that causes us to know that we have nothing to prove. It's God who is faithful, and therefore we rest in his faithfulness. 
And it's in that place that we seek to live from a place of rest rather than a destination that we're seeking to get to. That we continuously come back and say, actually, God, because of the fact that you love me, I have nothing to prove. I get to live in this place remembering your God, I'm not. And I move from this place. Everything I do is from that place of rest. And increasingly, as I talk within the culture we're in, both in church communities and definitely outside the church community, I think this call to live from a place of rest is one of the biggest tonics we can offer to the world around. But from there we go from the garden room to the kitchen. And the kitchen speaks of justice and mercy because what we hunger for is that. We recognise the world around us isn't how God intended it to be. And that God wants to use you and I to reveal more of his goodness and his love and his kindness. And he does that through our acts of justice and mercy. And therefore we hunger for more, but also we take what we've got, we take the provisions out of the kitchen stock cupboards and go and distribute them. That's why I love it, the fact that when you come through the front doors of this building, you're greeted with a shelving unit that talks about baby bank, which I continuously explain isn't that you can grab a baby, but there is stuff there to help people who wouldn't otherwise be able to care for their baby. I love it, the fact that we're starting to have provisions that anyone in need can come and take. Now we're going to continue to extend that. As Sarah said, we're going to have places where you can just literally fill out saying, this is my need, and then we'll seek to do what we can. To do it, we're going to have this stuff around. Like we're saying, like, if you need loo rolls, just take them. If you need sanitary towels, take them. Because this isn't a place where we think we just want to go out to provide for the need out there. We also want to provide for the need in here. It's also that there's things that we're going to do. There's things that we're living with, you're living with, that you think, man, I wish we could make a difference here. And that's what we're going to give ourselves to over these coming years, to say, actually, this is how we're going to make a difference there. And within this home, as we get towards the end, as we realise there's just a soundtrack that plays through the whole building. And it's a soundtrack of joy. Because what we realise is, Our joy isn't determined by our circumstances, but by the wonder of who God is. And that metaphor means that at different points, the soundtrack seems different. Sometimes it's like an upbeat groove that we can't help move to. Like, how cool did I sound there? Um, Exactly, not that cool. Um, Sometimes it's like a minor key that just brings this deep sense of the joy of comfort in the moment we're in. And sometimes the sound of joy is silence, of being able to just be. See, part of the culture that we're to build together is one where we find joy, joy in God in knowing that we're never alone, joy in God in knowing that he never changes whatever goes on. And God reveals that joy through one another. So I could tell countless stories. Stories of where people have had stuff go on where they want to celebrate and others come alongside and say, isn't this amazing? I can tell stories of individuals where they say, it just felt like everything just to drag myself in here. But I knew I'd find the joy of others standing with me. 
But you see, with this home, the last thing I want us to observe is the floor. We never really look at floors, do you? Well, I don't. You just kind of assume that it's there. (laughs) Which is a good assumption. But the reality is the floor of our home in terms of the culture that we build is the floor of faith. A confidence and assurance in who God is and God's faithfulness to us. Because the reality is that our confidence is in the, reality, in the fact that God is the source of all welcome, the source of all honour, of all authenticity, all creativity, all rest, justice and joy. And therefore we come together continuously saying we celebrate in this God who is faithful. A God who is faithful, who is a loving father, a faithful friend and a comforting spirit. Therefore, today our birthday is a celebration. It's a celebration, though, of God's faithfulness. And as we understand more of God's faithfulness, it calls us then to say, actually, God, as you're faithful, I want to be one who speaks about it and acts in respect to it. That's my encouragement to us. Let's use today to speak of God's faithfulness, and let's use today to act more in light of God's faithfulness. I'm going to pray for us. We're going to end Uh, And then we're going to set up to eat some food, which will be good. So I'm just going to pray for us. God, I thank you for this time together. And God, I thank you that you are one who is faithful. And God, I I thank you that you're one who not only is faithful in our past, is longing to be faithful now, but will be faithful for generations to come. And I pray, God, that as we live in light of that, would that cause us to speak well and much of your faithfulness? And I pray, God, would it shape how we act individually and together for your glory, Jesus. Amen.